Hello, hello, and welcome back to Lola Pops Off About Dramas with your host, Lola. Welcome, welcome back, everyone, to another episode. And as you can see by today's title, I am doing another Lola's Ramblings and Musings episode. And it's not as packed, I believe, as my previous ones. However, I will take a lot longer to kind of go over the dramas that I am going to be discussing in this Ramblings and Musings episode because a lot of them I really want to talk about (laughs) and they technically probably should have their own episodes but I just thought that would be too many releases at once and so I couldn't keep up with like the amount of dramas that I was watching and that I wanted to talk about so I thought the best way to talk about them would be just kind of squeezed into a ramblings and musings. So yes, some of these dramas that I'm talking about technically deserve their own episodes, but I just, I couldn't find it in me to make that many episodes and kind of be releasing them like once a week, I'm sorry, more than once a week, um, releasing them you know, like every other day. And I just don't think people are going to keep up with that. So I thought, let me take my time, gather my thoughts on a lot of different dramas, and then go ahead and do kind of like a big push for all of those dramas in one episode. So that is what this Ramblings and Musings episode will be. So within this, contained in this, you will actually get... Um, some final thoughts, some overall thoughts, some midpoint thoughts on a lot of dramas. And just kind of keep in mind that if I'm talking about a drama for kind of a lengthy amount of time, it's just kind of considered its own little episode included into this one big episode. So this will probably be a nice long ramblings and musings one. So if you guys don't mind that, then definitely stick around for that. But if you don't, of course, want to be around listening straight through, or if these are some dramas that you don't want to get spoiled for you, or you just don't want, because I will probably be giving a lot of spoilers. So heads up, spoiler alert. Um, So if you just don't want to go ahead and, you know, if you don't want to listen through some of these dramas, definitely know that I will have timestamps included in the description of this episode. So you can kind of hop around as you see fit. So let me go ahead and give you the structure of the Ramblings and Musings episode so you'll see how um, we're going to kind of lay this all out. First up is housekeeping. I've kind of already did some housekeeping, um, but I'm going to do a little bit more, have a little bit more things to catch you guys up on. And then I'm going to break down um, how I always do kind of the categories of dramas, how I'll be talking about them. The first category I'll have is dramas I just finished. So I'll go over some of those. And then I also will have dramas I'm currently watching and then I have dramas I'm not too sure about (laughs) and then at the very very end I might have dramas on the drop list um, to talk about those because just wait till I get to it because I got some I it's gonna be it's a it's a whole thing so bear with me or you can just jump to the ending to listen to that part but uh, those are my different categories for this episode and I'm going to kind of go through them that way and again contained in these different categories will be kind of like final thoughts or midpoint thoughts for certain dramas so let's get into some housekeeping so I kind of told you how I have come to (laughs) 
this type of episode where I've been watching a lot of different things and I've been enjoying a lot of them and they technically should all have episodes, but I just am not too sure if that's the best thing to do because I feel like I'll be releasing too many episodes at once to keep up um, with the dramas that are airing or that are finishing and things like that. So let me know if you do enjoy the Ramblings and Musings um, episodes, these type of episodes where I kind of put in a lot, um, or do you kind of want certain, do you want more episodes of dramas kind of pulled out and highlighted? Um, Let me know, because again, I want to put out what you want to listen to (laughs) Um, as much as I want to talk about dramas. I also am thinking about you listening. So please, please let me know what you would prefer or if you kind of want to keep it this kind of mix of like, sometimes I do some initial thoughts or midpoint thoughts or final thought episodes. And then, you know, then I also will have like a Ramblings and Musings, which has a lot of different dramas. Um, So let me know your thoughts on that. Um, The second thing um, I wanted to talk about would be my blog. I am going to do my darndest for the rest of this year to try to stay active on there. I let it fall to the wayside so many times and it's just really hard to keep up with everything when you're kind of like a one woman show. So I've been struggling with that, but I do really want to do my best to get it back up and running. So let me know if you would prefer that be incorporated as a way to highlight certain dramas. Um, my recent, um, one of my recent blog posts was about the eighth sense. I didn't do a standalone podcast episode on the eighth sense. I did talk about it, um, kind of bunched with a lot of other dramas, but I did not give it its own kind of moment, but I did do it over on the blog. So would you be open to that as well. So if you're not listening, you're maybe checking up on the blog to see what other dramas I'm, I'm watching and that I didn't do a full podcast episode on. Let me know your thoughts on that. Again, I want to be more active on the blog. I want to kind of come up with some cool things that, for you guys to check out over there. Um, and something else to look out for is something that I have coming out for you guys. I teased this to a couple people last year and I've been really working on it and I've been working really, 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 really hard on it. And I'm not done working on it. Let me just say that. But I do kind of have a first go uh, for this thing and I hope to kind of present it soon, launch it soon. Um, And, you know, I want to hear your thoughts. I would love to hear your thoughts. Um, So I'm going to kind of give you more information about that in the next couple couple weeks or months. (laughs) So look out for that. Um, And just, just know it's something that I created for myself, <laughs> as most of this is when it comes to K-dramas, it's like me just kind of keeping my head, wrapping my head around dramas and how to keep up with my dramas. Um, and so I have, I will be extending it to others to, to let others kind of check out and see how they like it. Um, so when it comes, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll let you know on the podcast, but also on socials and my blog, obviously, because that's pro- mostly wo- where it will be hosted. So stick, you know, stick around for that. Um, and another thing I wanted to mention to you guys, again, this is all my housekeeping. I'm so sorry. I have a lot of housekeeping. I haven't even gotten to my dramas yet. Um, but The other thing I wanted to mention to you guys was actually, and I've been talking to some fellow um, drama watchers and drama friends um, about this. You know who you are if you're listening. Um, But I've been 
you know, teasing this kind of idea of taking a break (laughs) um, from watching currently airing dramas. And and I can go into a whole thing about this, but basically I feel a little overwhelmed (laughs) with keeping up with so many dramas at once and feeling like I have to, um, you know, I basically, I don't want to be spoiled. I like, I like the idea of like being there while it's, while it's airing and kind of hearing all the feedback that everybody else is experiencing in real time. Like I like that experience, but it's just not the same as it used to be back in the day where it just wasn't as many dramas. Okay. And so like they are releasing dramas all the time, every week, every month we have drop after drop after drop and I am struggling to keep up with them all. And so I really want to take that pressure off for me, you know, offer myself. I want to take that pressure off and kind of just, just have a moment to sit and maybe not watching the currently airing dramas and keeping up with that, but instead maybe going back and rewatching some dramas that I really want to rewatch that I feel like I don't have time to rewatch or watch dramas that I never got a chance to watch before. Venture out or back into J dramas and some C dramas, you know, things that I just don't feel like I have time for. Um, and I also wanted to watch some kind of, I used to really be into films. If you know my kind of backstory on how I got into K dramas, you'll know film is kind of my, was my home at one point. And I miss watching films and I want to go back and kind of rewatch some of my favorites and just, you know, have like a moment to like sit in all of those things. Things that I used to enjoy watching. And to do that, I really do have to take a step back from watching the currently airing dramas. I have to. So in the next couple months, I am potentially going to be taking a break from keeping up with all the drama drops of a month. And in doing that, I will also then not be posting any kind of um, you know weekly podcast episodes that have to do with the newest, latest K-dramas. However, I am hoping that this will then open the door for me to have some episodes on my podcast that are about some of my, you know, throwing it back to some of my faves and throwing it back to some dramas I feel like others haven't got a chance to watch or see. And I kind of go through a whole breakdown of it, kind of episode by episode. So I've been really thinking about what else I could do in that time when I'm not watching the currently airing dramas, um, that will still kind of keep you, um, you know, with some entertainment of some sort regarding my podcast. So I'm just putting that out there. Let me know what you think. If that sounds like I will be feeling FOMO, you know, like I, if I do it, but I know I will be, but just let me know what your thoughts are on that. And if you kind of would want that, or if you encourage me to do that, because again, I will have content for you. Um, it just won't be on the latest and the greatest uh, that are dropping. Okay. <laughs> so that's just something in the next couple months I'm thinking about maybe end of the summer, um, We'll see. We'll see. But in the meantime, I'm still going to keep you updated with what I'm watching with currently Aaron as much as I can. And I got a lot for you today. Again, not as but I don't think it's as many um, dramas as it has been in the past episode, you know, Ramblings and Musings episodes. But it's 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 going to be kind of hefty because I want to kind of go through some of these dramas. So let's get started. All right. So with my first category, I have dramas I just finished. And this, I just have two dramas in this category, but I will be giving you my final thoughts on The Secret Romantic Guest House and then my overall thoughts on 
the Black Knight. So let's talk about the secret romantic guest house first. Now, I did talk about the secret romantic guest house in another Ramblings and Musings episode, and I am a little regretful that I did not give this drama its own kind of episode by itself. It really honestly deserved it. To be honest, I'm so, I'm so sad. Uh, and I, it's a little too late for me to go back and do its own episode. So I'm going to take some time here and just kind of go over this drama with you all. Now, if you don't remember, um, The Secret Romantic Guest House stars Shin Ye Eun, um, Ro Eun, Kang Hoon, and Jung Goon Ju. And they are the the, the most adorable cast, um, one of the most adorable cast this year. I loved them together in this drama. They were 10 out of 10 as it goes with chemistry and kind of just really, um, it coming through the screen that all of these actors enjoy working with one another and they really liked each other. You know, it came through the, the screen. And when I previously talked about the secret romantic guest house, I compared it to Our Blooming Youth, and it was one of the main reasons why I decided to drop Our Blooming Youth, because I just, what I wanted from Our Blooming Youth, it didn't give me, but I did feel like The Secret Romantic House, Guest House did give me. So we have in this story um, kind of four main characters. Three of them are our three young scholars. And then we have Yoon Dan Oh, played by Shin Ye Eun. The three young scholars are the complicated aspect of the story. And then Dano is just thrown into the mix of everything. Um, what we need to know mostly is about Kang San and Jung Yuha and Kim Shi Yol. So Kang San is unfortunately the son, the oldest son of the disposed crown prince. And once his disposed crown prince father is gone, he's on the run for his life as a young boy. And while he's on the run, he is a wanted person, as in if he were to ever be found, he would be um, would be killed. The person that is running on the run with him, who's protecting him, is actually Kim Shi Yol. And he is a watchman. His job is to do just that. To He was born and trained to watch over someone of the royal family. And his his person was Kang San. So he has watched over him this entire time. And then, so Ki, so Kim Shi Yeol is his watchman and he has been on the run with him this entire time. But the thing about the watchman is that he has to remain a secret. No one can know his identity. No one knows who he is. He just shows up at any point when um, Kang San is in danger. Even San himself does not know who his watchman is. He just knows that he's always protected at some point if anything comes up. Um, and then we also have Jung Yuha, played by Jung Gung Ju, who, oh my gosh, is my double dimple king. And I love him, love him, love him. And I love him, I love him some more. But that's not the point. <laughs> his character is a, I want to say he's a scholar who has made it up in his heart that he wants to do more for Joseon at this time. He knows that the king who is currently 
in the palace is one that needs to be removed. He is not good for the future of Joseon and he wants to find, um, he's working with like a secret society to kind of starting um, a revolt in a way so that they can bring forth change against this king. He is, we find out, related to San. He is his long lost brother who he they have never known of each other. They've never met each other, but they find out through the course of the drama that they're actually brothers as in their father, you know, had a, had a mistress. Okay. Um, this was a Joseon period. So, you know, it was a free for all. So that is something that we find out. And that makes these three kind of these three characters, their situation so convoluted and wonderful <laughs> to say the least. When I say wonderful, I mean wonderful because this is what I appreciate about a story like this. Uh, we're going to talk about Dono in a minute, but I think the, the root of this story, the crux of this story are those three and their relationship. Because what we have is um, San, who is supposed to be the king. He is supposed to really be the king after his father was um, kind of murdered and he went on the run as a young boy, but he technically should be this king. Um, but he has this history of being on the run, being unwanted, not knowing, fearing for his life always, um, and doing his best to kind of like mentally prepare himself for potentially one day coming back in and taking over that throne. But he's doing this alone, um, except for Kim Shiyol. And Shiyol, again, has this very, 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 very heartbreaking kind of background in that he is born and he is raised and trained to become a watchman. He has no freedom outside of, um, I mean, outside of anything. His life is, is solely to be um, the protector of um, someone in the royal family. And he has someone who is actually on the run, who technically really should be, uh, who really needs protection. And so his whole life and his whole everything is dedicated to this cause. So he does not have a life of his own. And then you have Jung Yuha, who doesn't know his real father, doesn't know his real mother. He's basically, um, he was adopted. He was like a, you know, he was adopted and he was not loved by his family. He was actually quite despised by his family that took him in. And it was heartbreaking for him to grow up that way, but it made him realize like there's got to be a change in this society. And so he has motivations to be, um, you know, to better things outside of himself. But all three of them have this heartbreaking, you know, sad back backstory. So when you put them all together, you get a team of these young men who really, 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 once they decide to work together, actually bring forth um, the change that they wanted to see. Now, involved in with, you know, these three men are Dano and her sister. So Yoon Dano has known Yuha for a, quite a while. He lives and he stays at her inn because he's preparing for his exam as a scholar. And he he lives there and he's always kind of been really close to her. And she, you know, looks at looks to him as an older brother. And he obviously has feelings for her, but he never really expresses that to the extent that she would 
but I mean, he does express it, but by the time she he expresses it, it's too late, if that makes sense. So, you know, that is kind of their connection. But then when San comes into play, he feels, it looks like he's coming in and he's kind of swooping in on the scene. But technically, when he was a little boy and he was on the run that first night after his father um, was disposed, Dano ran into, they ran into each other and she saved him. She helped him. Um, she protected him while he was on the run for a, for a minute. And then he kind of left with her kind of this seal of letting her know like you helped this is the person you helped of course she didn't know that at the time um and he didn't really remember her when they they reconnect at this end but it is this kind of thing where like faded you know lovers situation that comes to be so dano and san have this kind of faded um kind of love and then yuha is just the third, you know, he's in this it was a little love triangle there for a second, but not much by not much because Yuha had bigger ambitions and greater things that he wanted to accomplish. And him being with Dano was not his priority at some point. So it kind of left it so that the love triangle never really formed to its full potential and kind of made you put your hair out. So that was wonderful. And then Shiyol, he actually finds himself in love, falling in love with Dano's older sister. Um, and the thing that happens with their love story is that Shiyol unfortunately, murdered her, her, you know, bethrown her um, future husband, her fiance um, in the past because he was a part of the kind of secret group that was out to um, capture um, San when he was a little, when he was younger. And he, of course, as San's watchman, protected him and he ended up killing all of those men. And one of them happened to be her husband. Of course, in their process of falling in love with each other, he and she, they both don't know that history until they do. And of course, you get the kind of push and pull and the heartbreak about that kind of revelation because she really loved her, her, you know, her, her dead fiance. She really loved him. So, you know, that was really a moment and the kind of later half of the drama, but we do get a happy ending for everyone. So the thing that I want to talk most about as far as my experience with watching the secret romantic guest house was that I thought it was solid. It was solid, solid, solid. And when I say solid, I mean that the plot was clean. There was no issues with confusion or something being overwrought or overdone or underdone. You know, it was just plot story writing was just consistent and clean. There was no hiccups. Um, the other thing when I say by solid, I say like it was thoroughly entertaining. Every episode I enjoyed I was excited to watch the next. I was interested to watch each episode and go on to the next one. I never had any problems following this drama or keeping up with this drama. I looked forward to it every week. I also would say it was solid because performances, like I said, the chemistry was phenomenal. I loved them all working together. I want them to be in dramas together with each other in whatever combination they want to be in for the rest of their careers. They were amazing together. So beautiful, beautiful chemistry and performances on screen. So it was just kind of like doom, 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 you know? It was also 18 episodes and it was to me perfect. 
again, another another solid thing about this drama is that it had 18 episodes from the jump and you could tell it did because from episode one to episode 18, everything felt um, slotted where it needed to be. I never felt like, oh my gosh, we're running out of time. I never felt like, oh my gosh, this is too rushed. Like, oh my gosh, they're squeezing this in. Oh my gosh, we need more time to develop this. Like none of that, none of that. I thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this drama. And I have to say it was completely solid. I did not find any real complaints from my end about this drama. And I looked for them. I'm going to be honest. I was looking for things that I can think of that were like, well, you know, this could have been, but no, no, I thought it was pretty darn solid. And when I say solid, I mean, it was solid. Now, the only thing I will say is there is the king (laughs) who is our kind of villain in this drama. And he is played by um, Hyunwoo, the actor Hyunwoo. And I, I'm i familiar with him. He's been around for a while, um, but I've never been like over the moon with him in any way. Um, and I, I'm not saying that he's, uh, you know, not a good actor or anything like that. I have watched him in tons of things, um, but he never also has stood out to me in a way where I was like, oh my gosh, he's the reason why I watch a drama. So it's nothing against him, but I will say he was a slight, he was slightly distracting in this drama as far as his acting goes. He was playing this kind of deranged king. Um, and when you're playing a deranged king now, you gotta, it's a fine line. There's a fine line. You can go, you can go left, you can go right. And I feel like he was going a little left um, a lot of the time. And I don't know if it was the acting or if it was just this, the portrayal of this king or what, but it was distracting at times. I'm going to be honest in comparison to everyone else's performance. His felt a little um, like a... It was obvious that he was acting. Okay, that's all I'm gonna say. And the acting did not come across as as you know I think strong and deranged as it probably should have been. It just kind of came off a little wacky, and so very unfortunate. And I think that was probably a little bit of a complaint on my end. And that maybe me nitpicking, or maybe the fact that I'm just like a little snooty when it comes to acting. Um, but it was it could have been better. It could have been better. Um, and all, again, I didn't find anything else to complain about this drama. There was this kind of, this aspect of the, I guess the king's wife, who was obviously the queen. There was something about her character and her setup that didn't feel very uh, fleshed out. And so I kind of ignored it because that's how I feel like they were treating her, like a kind of like throwaway character. And in the beginning, I felt like she was going to have more of a role to play in this story. And she didn't really at all. So, you know, I don't know what that was about. (laughs) It could just be a case of they had a lot of characters to work with. So unfortunately, some characters are not going to going to be a little underdeveloped. But other than that, I thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly think, you know, enjoyed this drama. I think it was totally solid. I would recommend it to someone who um, enjoys um, period pieces or, you know, enjoys the kind of historical K-dramas and also loves a good romance. Um, love it. And I will say this, the romance between Dano and Kangsan. I was not also completely 
enamored with it. So I think that's why when I say this drama was solid, I'm not saying it was my favorite drama of all time because I didn't fall head over heels for their love story. Did they have amazing chemistry and were they adorable together? Yes, they were. But I did, their love story didn't kind of blow me out of the water by any means. What blew me out of the water the most was the relationship between the three um, the three Kang Song and Yu Hai and Chi Yul. Those three and their story was just beautiful. That was the real love story for me. These two brothers finding the, finding each other. Chi Yul, um, you know, basically throwing his life on the line for this 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 guy who doesn't even know he really exists, you know, barely knows who he is and just love it. I love stuff like that. And I think they did a beautiful job with it. So that's the real love story. And that's what I was most enamored with. Um, and if you enjoy that, then I think you would enjoy this drama. I also think it's a pretty easy drama to watch as far as historical goes. If that's not your forte and you're not the biggest fan of those stories, I think this would be a really, really good one to watch because the the plot itself is so interesting and you can take it and only really works, you know, in this setting when you have like a king and a watchman kind of thing. Um, so you you would have to watch it in this kind of, I think, time period to really get that um, full effect of it. And I think it would be worth it. And I think it would be worth it. So definitely recommend The Secret Romantic Guest House. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I, I don't know who else enjoyed it with me, but let me know if you did. Um, because yeah, loved it. I loved it. So that is my kind of final thoughts on the secret romantic guest house. That's all I'm going to do for that. That's kind of what I wanted to do again, which kind of just like give some kind of overarching, you know, final thoughts because I had talked about it previously. And so that we kind of sum up how I felt with it. So when I talk about it in the end of the year, you guys know what I'm talking about. Okay. So that is uh, again, the secret romantic guest house. Now I would love to talk about um, Black Knight. So Black Knight, and again, these are overall thoughts. Uh, Black Knight was only six episodes on um, Netflix. And I'm going to read the synopsis for you on this one before I go into my overall thoughts. Okay. So let's talk about Black Knight. So it is set in the year 2071, where the world has been decimated by toxic air pollution. Only about 1% of the population has survived and a strict social class now exists. People rarely leave their homes and when they do, they wear gas masks due to the air pollution. Citizens rely heavily on parcel delivery service for their needs. Delivery drivers known as knights delivers the packages and also protect them from thieves. Knight 5-8, played by Kim Woo-bin, is a legendary knight. He is also highly skilled in physical combat. He happens to meet a boy, Yoon Sa-wool, played by Kang Yoo-sook, uh, who is a refugee. And Yoon Sa-wool dreams of becoming a knight, and he admires Knight 5-8. So-al, played by Eun-som, is an officer in the Defense Intelligence Command. She saved Yoon Sa-wool's life when he was younger, and she took care of him like he was a part of her own family. Knight 5-8 helps Yoon Sa-wool become a knight. So that is the kind of synopsis, quick, fast, and dirty of Black Knight. Now I want to get into my overall thoughts on this drama because, again, it's just six episodes. If you so, if you haven't thought about watching it, 
then you probably won't. But if you are thinking about watching it, maybe someone telling you some kind of quick kind of overall thoughts on it would convince you to watch it or not to watch it. So um, the first thought that I have to say about this is that it is based off of a webcomic. And the webcomic was published, I think they said, from end of 2016 to around 2019. And I'm going to be honest, I felt like this was a story that I had definitely seen before. It did not feel very new to me, despite it being set in the future, right? You know, I always think like, oh gosh, you know, these futuristic thing, you know, these kind of post-apocalyptic stories, there's got to be, you know, something new to the table. And it didn't feel new at all. So that was my first thought. And it was my first complaint about this drama. Now, the second thing I will say about this drama is that I also, this is going to sound weird, but I loved, I love the chemistry between all of our actors and this, in this drama. So we have this 5'8", who's played by Kim Woo-bin, and he has his team of uh, delivery men that are helping him trying, you know, basically helping him. So he has like a little team of delivery men with him. Then you have Yoon Sa-wul and you have Unsum's character, So-ai, who she took him in when she found him when he was a refugee. You know, he's a refugee. He's, he was young and she saved his life and took him in. And when she took him in, she raised him with her own young sister. And so there was like this little family and their kind of bond, their chemistry was just adorable. And then you also have um, Sawu's friends um, who basically are other refugees that, you know, he hangs out with all the time. And so all of them, they were together. So what this story did really well was building these kind of communities and these groups within this, this, this plot and allowing you to understand what they, what brought them together and what they enjoyed about each other and kind of why you wanted them to be together and support one another. So that when all the kind of, you know, ish hits the fan, you are really wanting to kind of protect them and look out for them and you want the best for them all and you want their groups to survive. So just like the story itself, which is talking about these different kind of class systems and these different kind of groups of you know people in this world, they also, they do a good job of showing that on the screen. So you do end up kind of connecting with the groups that you should be connecting with. And then there's, of course, like the big 1% group who has everything and, you know, who are running things and are doing the evil stuff. So you know who to hate. So all of it was the structure of the story was uh, very obvious and very kind of easy to, to get into and understand. But it wasn't as exciting as it could have been because I felt like it was something you've already knew, (laughs) you know, like you knew how the story was going to play out. There was nothing kind of no surprises, no kind of like, ta-da, can't believe that happened. No twists, no turns. It kind of played out exactly how you would have thought it would play out. I mean, anyone, I'm not saying anyone could have wrote this, but I mean, it was definitely a story that if someone told you kind of like plug in some holes, you would have plugged it in um, appropriately. Now, the other thing to to say about this drama is that uh, I really, really love, I loved the Yoon Sa-wul character played by Kang Yoo-suk. Um, he is going to be one of my kind of standouts of the year for sure. I've been really enjoying him ever since um, he was in our kind of BL 
a, a year or so ago. And then I watched him in Payback this year and then Black Knight. And I've just been really impressed with them. And this is him kind of jumping into full roles, I think, after not really having that. And I just am really, really impressed. I've been really impressed with him. So um, he was a standout for me in this. And then, of course, Wu Ben was beautiful. He did an amazing job. Um Sum always does an amazing job. I mean, a lot of the performances were really, really good. I mean, they were really good. But again, there was nothing exciting or kind of knew about this story. So to me, it fell a little flat um, because of that. The other thing is, this is a long running webcomic that, you know, 2016 to 2019, and they squeezed it into six episodes. So I don't know the original story, but could there have been, I think, a little bit more that was developed in the six episodes and which may be already in the the webtoon that is already completed. Yes, I think there probably is. I think there definitely could have been more included to kind of flesh out some of the story. Um, not too much more now. I think they technically did pretty darn good considering it was six episodes, but I do feel like there were some kind of holes there, some things that were missing. Um, nothing too distracting. Um but just to make things feel a little bit, not as rushed, like the ending, the last episode just felt smashed. Like, oh my gosh, this is everything that happened at the end of the comic. So we got to hurry, 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 get it all in. And that's how it felt. I mean, it went so fast. And I kind of wanted to see some more of the development of their relationships between the kind of groups, because like I said, Within the individual groups, you saw the connections, you saw the you saw the chemistry, you saw all that. But then with characters like um, Five Eight and then Sawul, who originally started off in different groups and then end up kind of joining together, joining forces, I would have loved to see more kind of not fun moments, but more moments of them kind of. Um, bonding and kind of growing together and kind of connecting because 5'8", he's very stoic. He has one thing on his mind. He's, you know, he's a delivery man. And then Sawul looks up to him and he wants to be like him. And and I loved seeing that. I wish I would have saw more of that because Sawul doesn't have that kind of, you know, father figure and, and all of that kind of, and I just, know I don't know. I would have really, really enjoyed it. So that is something that I wish they would have done a little bit more of. And not necessarily father figure, but maybe older brother figure. And I think they would have, it would have benefited from taking some time in the story to like flesh out some more of their kind of bond and their relationship. Um, and the same thing with So I think her character, again, played by Usum, I think they did a good job with how her how her relationship with Saul was, but what they didn't do for me was kind of her she loses her sister in the beginning of this story. And we never really get to see her deal with that in a sense of like her actually kind of taking a moment to reflect on that. Uh, we know everything she does after that is supported by the fact that her sister was basically murdered. Um, but you know, we still I wish they kind of saw a little bit more of her kind of go into that, have a moment with Saul where they talk about that loss and all of that. So there were just some more, some things, some kind of surface things um, as far as character development and kind of relationship development of characters that they could have added that made, that made this kind of flesh it out a little bit more and made it not as go, 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 plot, 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 plot. And especially if the, because the plot is a little 
lackluster (laughs) so yeah for it to be set in the future and this kind of post-apocalyptic world i would i was expecting it to be a little bit more exciting um it could have been better i did like the action it was very violent um but it was kind of a violence that i could handle and i did think it was some really cool kind of fight scenes and things like that so i love that and i love a good training scene where you know saul the character was training to be a delivery man and and going through these tests so that he can pass to be a delivery man like i love that i really did love that sequence but that was just like you know, that was the most of the story. That was the drama right there when we were like at the end. So I don't know. I feel like six episodes is never sometimes enough, um, especially for a long running webcomic story. But for what they did on the surface, I think it was okay. It was watchable. I was able to get through it with no difficulties. I just know it could have been better. I know they could have added more there. I know they could have developed more there. Um, it could have been more exciting. I know it could have been more exciting, but that is that is that. That's my thoughts on Black Knight. Do I recommend it? No, I don't. I really don't. I think you're not missing out if you don't watch Black Knight, I'm going to be honest. But I will say that um, Kang Yusuk, his performance is amazing. And if you miss Wu Bin and you want to see some Wu Bin looking beautiful, then definitely go ahead and check it out. It's only six episodes. It does move pretty quickly. And I was able to watch it in one night, really. So yeah, but that's it. That's my thoughts on Black Knight. So that actually concludes my dramas I just finished uh, category. And so we're going to be moving into dramas I'm currently watching. So uh, let's go ahead and talk about dramas that I am uh, currently watching. And first up I want to talk about is Queen of Mask. Yes, Queen of Mask, uh, midpoint thoughts. So think of it like I was kind of telling you, think of this as like a midpoint thoughts on Queen of Mask because it's not, you know, anywhere near finished airing. Um, But I'm kind of at the midpoint and think I can talk about it up to this point. Um, Be wary, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. So let me read you quickly the synopsis about Queen of Mask in case you are not familiar with it. Because I'm, and I'm, there's a smile and my like laughter in my voice because I can't believe I'm watching this. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. So that's why, just a preference, when I get into it, you're going to be like, really low? Really? What was all of that? Um, but let me, let me, let me talk about it. Let me talk about it. So um, the synopsis, again, always are provided usually by Asian Wiki. So here it is. So the lives of four women are drawn into a vortex due to one man. And these are the four women. Do Ji, played by Kim Suna, is a famous human rights lawyer who defends the weak. She is actually um, really an ambitious person and she fixes the dirty deeds committed by the mayor of Tongju City. We also have Go Yuna, played by Oh Yuna, who becomes involved in a murder case 10 years ago and has fled um, to the U.S. alone. Now, Go Yuna is married and has a daughter. She is happy with her life, but her daughter goes missing. To find her daughter, Go Yuna returns to Korea and faces the three friends who abandoned her two, two, I'm sorry, 10 years ago. We also have Ju Yung Jung, played by Shin Eun Jung, who is the chairwoman of an arts foundation. Uh, when she was in a moment of difficulty with her life, a man appeared in front of her and 
uncomfortable situation took place ahead of her marriage with that man. And then we also have Yoon Hae Mi, played by Yu Sun, and she's the vice president of Mariana Hotel. She started from the bottom and worked her way to her current position. She's the type of person that if she desires anything, she won't stop until she gets what she wants. So here we go. Let's talk about Queen of Mask. <laughs> so it's not funny. This story is not funny at all, actually. But um, yeah, so it is It is exactly how it sounds. It is. It's nothing but um, mock-jung-ness, but not to the extent of what you think. Okay, so... The, the story about the, the women are really, I mean, they gave a breakdown about the characters, but they don't really give a good synopsis. So basically, the, the four women, these four friends, 10 years ago, they are at a bachelorette kind of situation for their one friend. And her name is um, Ju Young Jung. And they have this kind of like little bachelorette situation and her, that her fiance throws for her and everything. And then all while that's happening at the same night, and he ends up dying. And the problem is that we don't know who murdered him. All that we know is that that same night in that same hotel room where he died, he met with five different people. He met with Jae. He met with, uh, actually, he met with only four people. He met with Jae. He met with his fiance. He met with Hami, uh, one of the girls. Um, and then he also met with um, one of the men, Song Jae. Hyuk. And the problem is, again, we don't know out of all these people who really is the kind of murderer or the reason why he ended up dying. So the story, each episode kind of gives unfolds or unravels a little bit about that night. So you have to kind of keep watching this drama, <laughs> which is genius. You kind of have to keep watching this drama to kind of get those those moments unfolding for you. And if not, you will never know kind of thing. So that is a thing that they have going for them is that they do keep you coming back for more in this story because they kind of are withholding a lot. Now, the other thing that is kind of thrown into all of this is this other, this man that they said, you know, in the synopsis said this man, you know, throws them into a vortex. And that is the um, Song Jae-hyuk character played by the actor Lee jung sorry, Lee Jung-jin. And he is involved with all of the women in some way throughout these 10 years into the present. And it's very unfortunate, really, because he's a really bad guy. He is the father of Yuna's, <laughs> Yuna's daughter. He is the now husband of Yu Jung. He, um, unfortunately and disgustingly, sexually assaults Ye, And it's just like, oh my gosh, he is literally connected to all of them and he's playing games with all of them and he's a horrible, horrible character. And um, yeah, why am I watching this is the question. <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's just for the kind of mess of it all. Um, but in the beginning, it was quite sad because, again, the J.E. character and her experience with being assaulted by um, that character 
that whole thing was really sad. And the fact that she had to hide it and no one really believed her. And so her entire life from those, you know, 10 years become her trying to locate this man who, who raped her and who was wearing this mask when he raped her. So when they say queen of masks, that's what they mean is that she is looking for this man with the mask. And by this point, midpoint that where we at, where we are, she has located him. She knows who he is. He is married to one of her good friends at this moment. He is also the father of one of his friend's daughter. So it's just like, she cannot believe how involved in her life that he is. But this of course then signals for her that there's a reason why he is so involved in all of these different women's lives. They all are connected to some kind of big name people and the kind of local government um, in the city that they're in. And so it starts to kind of, un- you know, start the pieces are starting to reveal that he is part of a bigger kind of plot or bigger story in regards to the city and these women who are all connected to some of these big players in the city. So it, it's, it's, it's convoluted. There's a lot going on. It's messy. It's gross at times. Um, it's all kind of like, you know, secrets in the dark, bringing, bring them to the light kind of thing. There's something really horrific going on about uh, orphanage and, the dirty deeds of these these wealthy rich people taking advantage of these kids in orphanages i don't know i i'm not quite there yet they have not unveiled it but if they go there i'm not i'm going to have a problem um but it's it's just this is not a fun story at no point no point are you smiling or laughing or having a kiki but i do want to see the kind of unveiling of the mystery i want to see how that you know what was the real main plot and the real main reason why all these women had to be affected by this one man? I want to see him go down because he's horrible. He's so gross to them. And they, and it's so it's even more gross because he is everyone knows like all the women except I mean, not even and his wife. I'm like all the women know how horrible he is and they're trying to remove his mask they're trying to bring him down and the fact that he kind of parades himself like yeah i did it yeah i did it and i'll do it again you know that's kind of how he walks around these women and i want him to go away um however they see fit taking care of him i think will be justified so that's the real reason i think i'm still watching it i think i'm watching it so that i can see how they will reveal this in the end and how they will bring him down. Is it entertaining? Yeah, to some extent it is. Because again, like I said, there's this mystery and there's this murder mystery that we're still trying to unveil. And each episode, they give us a little bit more or they give us a little bit more, but it's different, you know? So it's like, oh man, so what So what happened? And then things start to change. And you're like, I'm not sure if this is the thing now that they said this is happening, you know? So it, it keeps you wanting it keeps you coming back. It keeps you coming back. So I'm not blaming myself for watching this, but I will say I think it's quite messy um, and it's kind of a lot. And the fact that I'm still watching it shocks me just a little bit. But we're more than halfway through, I think, at this point, And I have have not dropped it. I think it's 16 episodes. And I'm, I, like I said, I, I got I to gotta find out how they take them down. I have to. I have to. I'm also a sucker for Kim Sun Ah. She's one of my favorite, one of my absolute favorite comedic actresses. And the sad part is I feel like she doesn't do those comedic roles anymore. I feel like for years now, she's been doing kind of the more 
roles just like this, kind of like, you know, woman and this kind of lawyer role or this very kind of um, stern, strict role and position. And she's all about her business and she's trying to, you know, bring down somebody big or be brought down by somebody. And I, and I kind of, I kind of missed her being in her comedic kind of rom-com roles. So I'm a little sad about that, but I, I really wanted to watch something with her. Um, and I had been missing out on her last couple dramas. So I thought, let me just go ahead. Let me just go ahead and watch this one. So yeah, I'm actually watching it. There's a lot going on. Not pretty at all. Some things are just borderline kind of like, um, but yeah, I'm still watching it. <laughs> So don't judge me too much there. Please don't. Um, would I recommend this to anyone at this point that I'm watching it? No, not really. Like I said, it's so messy. Unless you're really into mess um, and you don't mind it, then for it to be so messy, it still is pretty coherent. The plot makes sense. You know who all your bad guys are. You know who your kind of good guys are. You know that all the women all are kind of flaky themselves. And so it keeps it interesting. It's a very, um, like I said, a drama that keeps you coming back despite you against your better kind of judgment. <laughs> so I think if that's something you don't mind, then you should definitely check it out. But I would not go out of my way to actually recommend it to anyone, I don't think. So yeah, that's my thoughts really quickly. My midpoint thoughts on Queen of Masks. Okay, so now let's move on to another drama that I'm currently watching. And okay, so Tale of the Nine, Tale 1938. Okay. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. So before I go into my, of course, my midpoint thoughts, I'm definitely at midpoint because I think we just had episode six. Are we at episode six? I think so. So let me go ahead and give you um, the synopsis provided by um, Asian Wiki, and then I'll go into my midpoint thoughts. So um, the tale of the nine-tailed 1938. We have Yi Yun, played by Yi Dong Wook, who gets involved in an unexpected case that leads him to travel back in time to the year 1938. There, Yi Yun meets Ru Hyung Ju, played by Kim So Young again. She was once a guardian spirit of a mountain in the West, but in 1938, she is the owner of the best high-end restaurant, Myeonggyeonggak. <laughs> Myeonggyeonggak. Myeonggyeonggak. <laughs> forgive me there, um, in the capital city of, um, in the capital city. When Ryu Hyungju met Yi Young for the first time, she was fascinated by him, but she couldn't have him. Now, because she meets him again, she is excited. Now, Yi Young also meets his younger brother, Yi Rang, again in this time period. Now, meanwhile, Chun Mu Young, played by Ru Young Su, used to be a garden spirit of a mountain in the east, and he used to be friends with Yi Young and Ru Young Ju. But a case has led Mu Young to become hostile towards Yi Young. Yi Young then struggles to go back to the present day where his loved one lives. So let's talk about Tale of the Nine, Tale 1938. <laughs> I am just going to start 
with my midpoint thought, my first midpoint thought, because it was also my initial thought after watching the first episode. Um, I love, love this drama right now. I love Tell of the Nine Tale, 1938. I love it. 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 Period. The end. I'm done with my, my, my midpoint thoughts. So now if you are not familiar with the first um, first kind of season of Tell of the Nine Tale, then you, then you, okay. Now let me not say this. Tell of the Nine Tale, when I first started watching that, it was a drama that took me some time to really get into. I struggled to get into it. The first couple episodes of that drama, not even couple, like the first half of that drama, I thought the writing was just all over the place. I thought they were struggling to find their their point. I thought they were struggling to find the, their, their stride. I just was like, this is all over the place. And it was scary on top of it. So on top of them struggling to figure out where they wanted to go with the story, I also was scared the entire time. So I was just like, this is not an enjoyable experience for me. However, Dungwook was there looking beautiful. Boa was in there looking beautiful. And their chemistry was top tier. And so that was enough to keep me going back. And then at some point, a little after the second half of that drama, um, I started to find, feel like they had they had found where they wanted to go. They had found where everything was leading to. They were like, okay, we, we hit it. We were, we're where we're supposed to be. And then it was, the rest was history after that. I was there. I was enjoying it. I was there. I was, couldn't wait for the next episodes. I was like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. We get to the end. And even the ending was like a lot took place. I still was like, I was glad that I finished this drama. So I did not love that drama because the first half, more than the first half of it, I was kind of like, mm, what's going on? And then it was only to the end that I really, really appreciated the drama. And so it's not one that I go around parading as one of my favorite dramas of all time. So that's my point about the first Tale of the Nine Tale. Now you go to Tale of the Nine Tale 1938, and I go into this being like, again, did not Try my best, as I usually do, not to see a lot of promo and promotional materials for the dramas. So I didn't really know what to expect going in. I just knew the new cast. I knew Boa wasn't going to be in it. And that was it. Now, when I got into this first episode and <laughs> they do a little quick recap of <laughs> the first season, and then we have our, voice, our voiceover from Eon and he's being really um, snarky and he's like, okay, in case you missed it, you know, when it opened that way, I immediately was in shock. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Is this comedy hour with Tell of the Nine Tale? It was hilarious from the opening. And I don't remember being that like, you know, laughing that much in the first season. So I was like, wait a second, what are we, what story are we telling? And then the next episode comes and it's the same thing. So right off the bat, this story is all cheese and camp, (laughs) cheese and camp. And I am eating it up with a big spoon. I'm enjoying it so much. And you do not have to have watched the first season to start this and enjoy this. Not at all. It's completely a different vibe. Everything about this is just a totally, a totally different scene. Um, obviously, it's in 1938, but it's just 
completely different than the first one. Like everything about it feels differently. Yes, the Eeyong character feels similar. Um, Edong feels similar. Like the characters themselves that are in the first season obviously feel like themselves, but the way that they're allowed to be even campier versions of themselves, is just, I'm eating it up. It wasn't as campy in the first one. It was camp, but it was not anything like this. Um, and it's just so much more funny, I think too. And it's not as scary. Yes, there are scary elements just like the first one, but the first one was just scary to me. And I think that's wise for them to take away some of that horror and some of that scariness and this kind of really cheesy, campy version of Tale of the Nine Tale on top of the fact that they're they're setting it in 1938, which was a very serious time in Korean history. So I think despite them being very funny and silly, if they would have added the horror on top of the history, it would have taken away from the fact that just the year itself, there was a lot of horror involved. Um, and so I really appreciated that. Um, the other thing that reminded me the something else that I liked about the original story as far as the first season and that I'm still loving in the second season is the mythical creatures and the different kind of stories that and backgrounds that they have and kind of how they're implemented in each episode. I really, really love that. It's kind of like monster of the week. Uh, yes, but I, I still think without losing the kind of overarching plot that is our Eon trying to solve this kind of case so he can get back to the future to his beloved. So I'm loving that that's not being lost and that they're not forgetting that that's the real point. It feels very, um, concise. It feels like we we don't need much time to tell this story, yet they're giving us a lot. Because again, he's on a time crunch and they set that up in the very beginning. Like he has to be, he has to return by a certain point. And if he doesn't, because he's already stuck right now. And so he's struggling to get back because he's waiting to solve the case. And then when the case is solved, he has to get, as soon as the door, the gates open again to the future, he has to go back. Um, so it's just, I love that they gave us that setup. Um, and so we know what stakes we are, what stakes we have uh, throughout this drama. And again, it's only 12 episodes. So I feel like they're doing a very good job with the time that they've allotted themselves. They have not added too much to the story where you're nervous that they're not going to finish it in 12 episodes, unlike some other people <coughs> on Amazon Prime this year. <coughs> I'm not going to say no names, um, where it was just, you lost you lost it. You lost it. Um, and I don't want that to be the case with this drama because we're going into the second half. But at this midpoint, I am just so impressed by this, the way that they set up this this season two of Tell of the Nine Tale. I think it's genius. I think they've done an amazing job to kind of kind of pull away from that love story that is the first season and kind of put it into, you know, the love story has already happened. Now he's kind of resolving things from his past life and kind of the people that he used to know in his past and getting a little bit more, getting to know a little bit more about who he was. But then also this concept that, you know, if you watch the first one, and I'm sorry if this is a spoiler, but if you watch the first season, you know that his brother, um, Irang, played by the magnificent Kim Bum, is unfortunately... Um, um, 
he dies at the end of season one. And in this kind of story in 1938, he reunites with his brother who is alive. But because he's from the future, he is aware that his brother is going to die. And so he is trying to make the best of his time with his brother and this 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 time that he's been allotted. And I'm loving that. And that was my favorite part about the first season, um, Tell the Nine Tale, was their relationship. That, I mean, Kim Bum, as usual, comes on the scene in his kind of brother, younger brother figure character. And then all of a sudden the story turns and it's only about him, it's all about him and you love him and you just care about him and you want the best for him. And that's exactly what he did in the first season. And so, oh my gosh, I love him and I love them and their their brother brotherly relationship in the first season and I'm loving it in this season and I just it, it's just so good. I cannot say enough good things about Tell the Nine Tale. Yes, it's not everyone's cup of tea by any means. It is set in the historical period, you know, time period. There are, you know, like I said, a lot of camp and cheese. <laughs> and if you don't, if you're not for that, then obviously that's not for you. But it gives you an anime um, kind of feel where I, I feel like there's there's this kind of action and there's this kind of overarching plot. But then you have, and you have this main character who you're following and that you're just trying to see him through to the very end of his kind of his story, which is just getting back to the future kind of thing. But at the same time, you you have these cute, funny, silly moments, slapstick moments, and it's just they make light of some of the most serious things and it's just fun and it's really fun. So I love Tell of the Nine Tale 1938. I think I can say honestly at this midpoint that I like this way more than the first season, but at its midpoint um, for sure. I love this after the first episode. I was kind of blown away. I think that was my initial thought was I was a little in shock by how amazing it was. It looks great on screen on top of it. So did the first season, but this one looks even better. I mean, I think it's the Amazon Prime. I don't know who it is, but it was, oh my God, it looks amazing. Okay. So I am just, I was in shock. I was blown away by how good that first episode was. Then the second episode, and I was just like, oh my gosh, this so good to me. And it just keeps getting better. Like I said, there is like a monster of the week feel to it. Very anime vibes. Um, I don't know. I'm just in love with that. It's 12 episodes. They have not done too much with the story where you feel like they're gonna, they have too much going on. It's very succinct. We know what, what, what our goal is. We know what the point is of this, this drama. We know where we're trying to get to. And then they're throwing in these kind of other elements, but they're not mysteries. You know what I mean? They're not things that we are waiting to find out. They're kind of there and we're just waiting for our main character, um, to kind of solve the issue, you know, and I love it. 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 I don't know. It's the same writer and director, I believe, from the first season. So I'm a little impressed. And I think they just hit their stride with this story and these characters because they're just doing such a good job with this one. And I really enjoy it. And I'm and I'm grateful. I'm grateful that they went this way and they went this approach to it. Um and they didn't switch it up completely and like tell a totally different story. I like that they went back in past in the past, but still has element to um this character and who we learned about 
in the first season and the fact that he is married and he has this 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 wife that he's trying to get back to. I mean, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Tell the Nine Tell, 1938 is one of my favorite dramas right now that I'm watching and I just can't have enough of it. So good. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. So that's really my kind of initial slash midpoint thoughts of Tell the Nine Tell, 1938. Now we're moving along. We're moving along. So next in dramas that I'm currently watching, I want to talk about My Perfect Stranger. And again, this is kind of midpoint thoughts. So I have not said anything about this drama to in anywhere, um, on any platform. So this is really going to be my initial thoughts into my midpoint thoughts. And I am going to read a synopsis and then go into those. Okay, so let me read the synopsis for you really quickly. So, My Perfect Stranger. Yoon Hae-jun, played by Kim Dong-wook, started his career at a broadcasting station as a local news reporter. He now works as an anchor for the weekend news program and is the youngest anchor to ever work at the broadcasting station. He is calm and straightforward as a journalist and kind to people in his personal life. Fake Yoon Young, played by Jin Ki-ju, dreamed of becoming a writer, but to support herself, she works at a publishing company. She's under a lot of stress because of her job, and she sometimes takes it out on her mother. And one day, Baek Yoon Young faces a shocking case that changes her life. Yoon Hae-jun and Baek Yoon Young somehow both travel back in time to the year 1987. There, Yoon Hae-jun tries to find the truth behind a serial murder case, and Baek Yoon Young tries to prevent her parents from marrying. Their goals seem completely unrelated, but they soon realize that their objectives are connected. So that is the synopsis, which is a pretty good synopsis for My Perfect Stranger, so I'm quite impressed by that. <laughs> um, but I have to say... Just like I started with Tell of the Nine Tell, I have to start with My Perfect Stranger. I love it. I love, love, love My Perfect Stranger. I am in love with it. Similar to Tell of the Nine Tell 1938, we have a kind of time traveling situation. And My Perfect Stranger is definitely a back to a back to the future kind of vibes because we have our main one of our main characters, Bake Yoon Young traveling back in time and meeting her younger versions of her parents. Um, and her kind of job is separating them and her befriending her mom when she was a younger girl. You know, beautiful. Love it. Mwah. Love it, love it, love it, love it. And then you also have Hei Jun's character played by Kim um, Dong-wook, who also in traveling back in time, he meets his grandfather, I believe. So there's that. And I mean, it's just, I love this setup. I love a time travel. I love... Again, as you know, if you've listened to me, I like people having to pretend not to be who they are. Um, and, and that's the kind of a scenario there. They have to kind of take on a persona so that people don't really know who they are. And, and they have to kind of fit in and infiltrate in this time period that they're not used to. And I just... I love it. 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 So right off the right off the bat, initial thoughts was this is my perfect setup. It reminds me of Back to the Future, which I love, and I am in love with it. Now, the other thing that I absolutely love about My Perfect Stranger is this mystery. This is definitely a mystery story, and I. I didn't realize I like mysteries so much because I typically typically don't. I feel like, but for this one. 
it is the most entertaining part of it. Um, because we have this, this time travel scenario, we don't really get any backstory or lore as to how they are able to travel back in time besides this kind of car. Again, like back to the future, there's literally a car that takes them back to the future and then the car gets broken. And so they're stuck in that time. But the, the, the reason why the car exists and where it came from and why they get to use it and how that all works, we don't have any of that at this point. We just, right off the gate, we had to jump in with the understanding that they have a time traveling car and it took, it took them back to 1987 and they're stuck there, right? But then the real mystery is the fact that there is a serial murderer and there was a case started back in 1978. And 1987, I said 1978, 1987. And Hei Jun, who is a reporter, you know, he needs to, and he wants to find out where this all started so that he can capture the killer. But he has a personal motivation for capturing the killer because he finds out by traveling back and forth into the future and the past and the future in the past, that he ends up dying by at the hands of this same murderer. He doesn't get to see who the murderer is in the future. And so he decides to go back to 1987 to then locate this murderer so he can stop them and their tracks. Now, again, like they said in the synopsis, Yu Young, how she gets into this whole thing it seems completely unrelated to Heijun, but they both find out towards the midpoint that I'm at now that they actually have similar goals and that the murderer that he's looking for from the serial murders may have something to do with the reason um, that, you know, unfortunately, spoilers again, um, something that happens to her mother. And it may have something to do with the same murderer, but then it may also have something to do with her father and people that knew her family in this town in 1987. So they are connected in that way. And it's lovely because you kind of, and they like force, you know, to like figure this out together. And the frustrating thing about this drama in the beginning was that they were keeping these things secret for one another. So like neither one of them knew like their real purpose or their real reasoning for doing the things that they were doing in 1987. And I hated that. I was like, can you guys just like talk to each other? Because if you talk to each other, you're going to find out that there's something going on that you both have um, information about. So I thought that was very interesting that they weren't talking in the beginning. And then finally, when they do, they're like, oh my gosh, it's all connected. And so I really appreciated that finally happening. Um, but it was a little frustrating in the beginning. But then there's also some characters in this story who you're trying to find out who's the culprit, like who is the serial murderer? And there's different suspects. For our characters, there's three main suspects. But then from us, the viewers, us watching, there may be other people that we should be considering. And so that's also interesting is that we we have people that we can see may be um, connected to this past, this serial murder case. And, and yet the characters are still slowly trying to figure that stuff out. And only till they figure it out, but we get confirmation if we're right about certain things. Um, and the cool thing too, is that we have writing as kind of a theme 
our storytelling in this in the story. You get to see a book being very key to this case. So much so that it may be the confessions of the killer in this book form. And so they have this kind of tool from the future in the past that they can then possibly use to help unravel this case. And so I just love the tools that they have in their in their kind of kind of setup. I'm loving the way the story is telling itself. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And again, it definitely gives you vibes of Back to the Future, but with like this really good murder mystery aspect to it. And it's it's also fun in some regards when you get to see the interaction between um Yoon Young and her her mother, her younger version of her mother and her younger version of her father. Father. They, I love them together. <laughs> I love them together because she had a very tumultuous kind of relationship with her mother and her father and that her father was just kind of uh, just a deadbeat and that made her mother and her suffer. And she wants to make sure they don't end up together in the past. Um, and even so much so when, you know, she reveals this to the Heijun character, he's like, but you do realize then you would not exist, right? And she's like, I don't even care. I don't want to exist in a world where my mother's no longer here and she had to live such a horrible life because of my father. I'd rather just not be here. And it's super sad when she has that moment but then at some point she does realize that her mother did love her father at one point. So she would be taking away that from her mother. Um, and so it's just lovely. It's it's wonderful to see a child be able to see their younger versions of their parents and connecting with them and recognizing who they really were as people and not just in the figure of mother, father. And I love that aspect of this story. I always love that aspect of a story, but I'm loving it in this. I'm wrapped up in this murder mystery. And then you have the Hey June and the Yoon Young character. There's no romance that's flourishing or happening in between these two, but just this kind of team that is being formed. He's actually um, in his kind of role that he's pretending to be in 1987. He's a teacher figure and she's playing a younger student. And so they have this kind of um, kind of relationship to the townsfolk where he's like, that's her, her kind of, um, and I think she lives with him. So they've told the story that that's like his um, niece or something like that, or his cousin or a younger cousin or something like that. And she's staying with him. And I love that. I just love the setup of how they had to make up a story to kind of like fit into the town. Mwah. Favorite, 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 favorite trope. Oh, I love it. Pretending to be someone you're not. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, but yeah, I'm just overall in love with the story so far. I'm loving the way that they have, like I said, the younger version of her mother and the younger version of her father, how they they are so innocent. They are just who they are, right? Like, and the way that they we know they look in the future, unfortunately, it's like it does not match. It doesn't connect. It doesn't make sense. So to see them be so kind of pure and youthful and cute and fun together, only to then, of course, know that that's not how they end up. It is really sad, but it's nice to also get to experience them in that way alongside their daughter, Yoon Young. So just my perfect stranger, I am loving it. I am loving it. Would I recommend it? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's so, I think the murder mystery aspect is so good. I think there's something tied to 
this kind of notion of writing and um, and telling your story and and kind of voicing your story that is a theme that's kind of permeating and underneath it. And I'm really appreciating that. And it's very meaningful, you can tell. And, and it's tied to, of course, Yoon Young's mother. And I'm loving that. I'm loving to see how she was in school and kind of like the different people who are at the high school and their characters and kind of the roles they play in the future. And I like that we get to see that the kind of the past and the future kind of happening at the same time um, in certain episodes. So loving it, loving it, loving it, loving it. I would highly, highly recommend it at this point. And I'm only midpoint in and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I, don't know how this is going to all end up. Um, I'm not sure. And I, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. <laughs> but at this point, I'm thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying My Perfect Stranger. Okay. All right. So let us take a look at the next drama that I'm currently watching and I want to give some thoughts on. So this one is on... Dr. Cha. And this is not going to be midpoint. I think it's almost like final thoughts at some point, really, because we've gotten pretty far along in this story. And I'm just now talking about Dr. Cha. And I originally was going to do its own episode. Dr. Cha was going to get its own thing. But I thought to throw it into this because I thought, I don't know if I would have as much to say about it as I thought I would. So let me just kind of go through some quick thoughts on Dr. Cha. And this is almost at the final um, point because I think we only got a couple more weeks left, not many more weeks left with Dr. Cha. So let me give you a quick synopsis of Dr. Cha. So Cha Jung-suk, played by Um Jung-wa, is married to So In-ho, played by Kim Byung-chul. He is a chief surgeon at, he works at a university hospital. He is a strict, sensitive, and kind of thorough personality. Cha Jung-suk has been a full-time housewife for the past 20 years. And after giving up her career as a doctor during her medical resident years, she decides all these years later, she wants to restart her medical career. So she goes back um, to become a resident. And that is the kind of short and dirty synopsis of Dr. Cha. Now, the thing to know about Dr. Cha is that, yes, that is the synopsis, but what they're missing and what they're failing to tell you, and I think should come with like a warning or trigger warning with dramas, it is infidelity. This drama is about infidelity, um, where we have our Dr. Cha, Cha Jung-suk, married to her, you know, her university surgeon, chief surgeon husband, and he is having a affair with um, another doctor at his university, at his university hospital. And they have history that goes way back to college. And that is the start to their kind of tangled relationship between the three. And unfortunately, that leads to them having an affair behind our Dr. Cha's back. And it's a big part of this story. I mean, it's a huge part of this story where we get to see him 
live out this 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 affair while our Dr. Cha is kind of like oblivious to some degree. And then I don't think she's just oblivious. I think at times she kind of has this willful kind of like ignorance kind of play that she throws in there at times. But at other times, it's like, you know, they're literally, no one's letting her in on the secret. And a lot of people start to find out this secret and they never, no one's letting her in. And it's just the most frustrating thing to watch is watching this woman be um, kind of cheated on and he you know, kind of just runs around her like nothing's nothing's going on. He gaslights her. You want to see some gaslighting? Oh my gosh, this is one of the most gaslighty characters ever. Um, so I cannot say that I am absolutely in love with this drama because two main reasons. It is a medical drama. I, if you know me, if you know, I don't watch medical dramas. I do not. I do not. I do not. I can't tell you the last one I've watched. I mean, I back in the day, I was able to get them down. But in the last like 10 years, I have not watched a medical drama to this extent where the, the kind of setting is a medical drama. Second thing that I cannot say I love this drama because it's because the the affair, <laughs> the storyline, this plot line of this husband who is having this affair on his wife and he kind of just gets to run around town. He just gets to kind of skip around town and, and la di di da And he's like laughing, having kiki. And I just don't like him at all. There's no saving grace for him in this story for me. And the fact that he gets to still kind of be presented in an almost kind of like lighthearted, comical way. I don't like it. I, I just don't like it. And it is what it is. Okay. <laughs> I just don't like it. But those are the two main things I think I can say off the bat. I cannot love this drama because of. However, am I enjoying watching this drama? Yes. I know. I know. It's not making sense. But yes, I am enjoying this drama because I am enjoying the way that they've structured a story around this this one character, Dr. Cha. I've enjoyed how she is, in a way like the head of her household. She's the reason her household was running the way that it's ran. And she has two kids and one's getting ready to graduate high school. One's already a resident who she joins, who she joins him in his program. Um, but then, you know, she has her mother-in-law who lives with them and she kind of is the crux of this family. And I do enjoy, I have to say, I really do enjoy watching stories where they provide us a time to sit back and really contemplate kind of the role of a mother. And if the way that you are viewing a mother, if it's in the right light. And I really appreciate when stories do that. And in this story, yes, immediately off the bat, it lets you kind of recognize the the kind of the the weights that a mother carries for her family and the things that she puts on the back burner for her family. And then we have this woman who's like, you know what? Life is short. I don't have time to just continue giving, 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 giving to everyone else but myself. And she makes a decision at this point in her life to give back to herself. And in doing so, she starts her career again. And I love that setup. I love that setup and I love it. I love it. I think it's meaningful. I think it's, it's just a beautiful story to start from. 
the problem, of course, then becomes the story being how victimized this mother is on top of the fact that she already was a mother and the, the victimization that is and that can be as a mother. But then you tie on the fact that her husband's cheating her on top of it all. It just was like, oh my gosh. So then at some point she becomes a little pitiful. And I said this just recently, I can't stand a pitiful mother character. Like I don't like when they then position the mother as like, oh my gosh, everything, you know, she does everything she possibly can for everyone else. And still everyone mistreats her. Like I was getting to that point. I really felt like it was getting to that point. But the point that it stops that where she gets less pitiful for me is the fact that she is still actively doing something for herself, that she has made a decision. She's moved out of her home essentially and living in the dorms um, for her residence program. And she is, she's pursuing that for herself. Yes. All this other stuff that's connected to her family is kind of falling apart at the seams, but that doesn't take away from the fact that she is still doing something for herself so that at some point if it all falls through, which is looking like it should, um, then she has something that she could still hold on to. And the other thing that I always love in those scenarios too, is that she isn't pitiful because at the end of the day, her children are still going to ride for her, are still going to be there for her, love her dearly. And originally they don't appreciate her, obviously, but after seeing how much she's been kicked while she was down uh, and them recognizing they were also aiding to that, they kind of snap out of it and they recognize like, nope, I gotta, I gotta let go and I let my mom be who she needs to be and I'm gonna be there and support her. And I'm loving seeing that. So she was getting close to me being this kind of pitiful mother character figure but I think they stopped that for me. And so I appreciated that. Um, but yes, it was it frustrating and just so annoying to watch her go through this process of being lied to and everyone else behind her back, knowing that her husband's cheating on her and she just kind of just like oblivious. Yes, super annoying. And it was just kind of like, can we get to the point where she finds out? <laughs> and then we find out and we do, and she gets to find out and she has a big moment and she kind of says her piece. But the problem again then is that they still have this husband character, the Inho character, sitting there like he still has choices that he can make, that he still has the right to decide some things. And I hate that. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And I just want her to kind of like cut ties. And I know that's difficult and I know it's hard and I know it's not realistic or whatever people like to say, but for story's sake, let this woman get free of this man. I just need him to go. Whether he goes to the other woman or not, I need him to go from Dr. Cha's life. He has to. And on top of that, we have another doctor, a young doctor, a Dr. Roy Kim, played by Min Woo Hyuk, who has been doing an amazing job in this in this role, who likes her, who really likes her, and who's been riding for her from the minute he met her and recognizing how horrible her husband was. Um, he has been there for her. And yet she cannot view him in that light because all she thinks is her about her family and her residence program. Like that's all she cares and thinks about. And so she can't even position him in that light. And I don't blame her and I don't blame her for that. But it's also just like this cherry on top of like being annoyed with the fact that 
her husband character is even still in the picture. Like he needs to go because the minute he goes, she can start her life anew without all of that. And then hopefully grow to the point where she can then look at the people around her who want to be in her life in a romantic sense and who will cherish her and take care of her and love her. Um, So I'm really, really hopeful that that will be the case in the very, very end of the story. But right now it's just so frustrating because her husband is just still flying around and it's just like, I'm like swatting him away, like go, 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 go. And I want her to do that. But there is a point where I am at the midpoint of this story where her best friend kind of lets her know, like, that's not you. You hold on to people. You ride for people. You stick beside people. That's just not you. So don't even, so basically don't consider divorcing him. Don't even think about it because that's just not something you're going to be able to do. That's not going to make you happy. That may, may make you wor- feel worse. And I was just like, excuse me? <laughs> what? So I hated that point. I hated, I hated, I hated it. Um, but we'll see what she decides. But I am very, 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 very annoyed at the moment with her husband and the whole scenario of her potentially still giving him an opportunity to stay in her life and remain in her life. And her kids are grown. Like these are, like I said, her son is literally about to be a doctor with her. And then you have her daughter going into college. So there's no reason she should leave that man um, She shouldn't leave that man. There's no reason. And yet, and yet they have us sitting here wondering and pondering if she will or not. And I just can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. So yes, I'm enjoying this drama because I appreciate a lot of the story about our Dr. Chalk character. I do appreciate a lot about her. However, I'm not happy with the way they've treated her in the story. Um, And I'm not happy with the fact that, uh, yeah, it's sad at times because we're dealing with a medical drama at the end of the day. And um there's a lot of little, you know, cases that break my heart and don't make me happy and make me and remind me why I don't watch medical dramas. So I'm proud of myself for watching Dr. Cha at this point, but don't expect me to pick another one up anytime soon. Okay. Not anytime soon after this, but for a doc, for a medical drama though, for a drama that's set, you know, talking about a drama, I'm sorry, for a drama that's a medical one and that's set in a hospital majority of the time, they still do a beautiful job of keeping a lot of the story outside of the hospital. <laughs> so for me, I'm able to stomach this a lot better, I think, than some other ones. So I do have to say that I, I, I if you're like me, this drama has on the lesser side um, when it comes to medical stuff in it than most medical K-dramas do. So yeah. Okay. So that is kind of like my midpoint onto almost final thoughts of Dr. Cha. Would I recommend it? Yes. For people who like medical dramas, absolutely. Um, I think there's a lot there, but if you have problems with stories about infidelity, then probably not so much. Um, And also if you're like me and, and you do not like medical dramas, be wary. Um, 
there are a lot of medical things that take place in this medical drama. So be wary, but there is a lot of good around this character, Dr. Cha, and there's a lot that you can take from it and appreciate from her story. So I have to give it points for that. I got to give it points for that. And I'm proud of myself. I'm watching a medical drama. (laughs) But yeah, so that is my kind of final, almost final thoughts on Dr. Child. Don't know how it's going to end. And if it, let me just tell you now, if that woman stays with her husband, I can tell you my final thought right now. I do not recommend this drama. It's trash. It's horrible. It's the worst thing you've ever (laughs) seen. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But she better not. She better not. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm gonna leave it at that. Okay, so that actually finalizes my category of dramas that I'm currently watching. Yes, I know, right? Doesn't seem like a lot, but we're gonna keep going because I have some more stuff to tell you about. So that's gonna kind of tie into dramas I'm currently watching. So before we talk about that though, let me move on to the next category, which is dramas I started but I'm not too sure about. (laughs) So this category only has, let me see, three dramas in it. And so I'm going to talk about them each as far as reading their synopsis. And then I'm going to give you kind of my reasons why I feel not too sure about them. Okay. (laughs) So the first drama that I started, but I'm not too sure about is actually called Family, The Unbreakable Bond. And I was actually really excited for this drama. I've been waiting for it to become available to me so that I could watch it. And it finally, it's on Disney Plus now and Hulu so that I can access it. And I've been, you know, I was waiting. I was waiting to watch it. So let me give you the synopsis and then I'll talk about where I am with it. So um, Family, the Unbreakable Bond has Kwon Do-hyun played by Jang Hyuk and he is married to Kang Yura played by Jang Nara and he is a secret agent for the NIS and a veteran sniper with a quick and highly accurate shot. By day, he disguises himself as an ordinary employee for a trading company. Even as his wife, Kang Yora, believes he holds an ordinary office job, Kwang Duho, sorry, Kwang Duhun is busy with his work, so he's unable to spend much time with Kang Yora. Nevertheless, his wife he loves more than anything else. And then you have Kang Yura, who has always dreamed of having a perfect family. And so when she met Duhan and married him, she works as a housewife and she is really good at it. But she also has a secret secret that nobody knows about. And then we also have Joe Tegu, played by Kim Nam-hee, who appears in front of Kwon Duhan and Kang Yura. And his appearance shakes the peaceful life of the two. Now, I've only watched episode one of this <laughs> and it's only 12 episodes. So I felt like watching the first episode of it kind of would give me an idea. And I think I'm wrong. I probably should have continued on to watch the second episode, but that's a part of my problem. After watching the first episode, I didn't want to watch the second episode. And that's not usually a good sign. So... <sighs> What was it that was the problem for me in that first episode? I think 
I originally wanted to watch the drama because I like the setup. I like the idea of like, again, pretending to be someone you're not a secret agent, can't let your family know what you're really doing, what your real job is. I like that stuff. I'm, I don't mind that. But what it was is kind of how they set it up. It was a little cartoony. It felt like I was watching, you know, like a Disney, like, cartoon <laughs> it's like I was watching a Disney cartoon or like an actual Disney show and I don't know if that's what they wanted it to feel like or not but that's what it felt like and I guess I'm just not in the mood for it or I'm just like that's just not my vibe these days so I really wasn't a big fan um of the first episode and if it continues to be that way and that wasn't just the first episode that I know <laughs> I don't want to watch this so this is my call for anyone who's watching right now, if you think it's worth me continuing to stick it out and that it gets better and this is way better than I think it is, please let me know because at this point, I don't, I'm not motivated to continue watching it. But if someone tells me that it actually gets real good, I'm there. So let me know and I will I will go back to it. So as of right now, I'm not sure if I'm going to continue. It's not completely dropped because I'm going to wait until I hear something. But if you know, because you're watching it, that it's worth me sticking it out for, please, please let me know. Please let me know. Okay. Um, another drama that I started that I'm not too sure about is Oh Young Shim. Let me read my synopsis for this and then I'm going to talk really briefly about this one. Okay. So Oh Young Shim played by Song Ha Yoon, is single and in her 30s. She has worked as a TV variety show PD for eight years. She wants to make sure people laugh with her TV shows, but they were always canceled due to low popularity ratings. Her career is now in crisis mode. <laughs> she has a chance to produce a love entertainment show as a pilot program. For the show, Oh Young Shim casts famous startup founder Mark Wong, played by Yi Dong-hae, as a guest. She is surprised that Mark Wong is Wong Kwang-tae. When they were little, Wong Kwang-tae had a crush on Young Shim, and he always let her know how he felt about her. Oh Young Shim did not feel the same way towards Wong Kwang-tae at the time. He then suddenly moved to the U.S. with his family, and they lost contact with each other afterwards. Now, 20 years later, after they were last together, Wang Kuang Tae appears in front of her as CEO Mark Kuang. Meanwhile, PD Yi Che Dong, played by Yi Min Jae, works with our PD Oh Young Shim in the same variety show department. He is always on her side and he is, quote unquote, maybe in love with her. <laughs> um, but we also then have Young Shin's friend Ku Wang Wol Suk, played by Jung Woo Yun, and she runs a popular YouTube video channel called Ku's Date. Okay, so that is the kind of quick, you know, whatever you want to call it for Oh Young Shim. Now, uh, I don't know, it's 10 episodes. It's 10 episodes. I don't know who, what the production is behind it, but the production quality does not look good on paper. I mean, just look off the bat. I was like, the production quality is subpar. That was my first initial thought. I'm going to be honest. I was just like, who's the production behind this drama? <laughs> so that was my first thing. The second thing is 
the first episode i did watch both for i watched the, sorry the, both episode one and episode two and both of them i was bored i thought a lot of the line like the writing a lot of the lines in this it was just kind of um they were stale. They fell flat. You can tell it was supposed to be funny, but it wasn't funny. You know, those type of jokes and some of the, the kind of actions um, of the kind of Oh Young Shim character were very kind of, they're supposed to be, they were very overly exaggerated. And you would think she was on the stage performing on Broadway, the way she was kind of acting. And it was just like over the top. And I did not find it cute or funny. And it didn't feel, how do you say? It didn't feel well written, just in general. It didn't feel well written. And and I know there's this connection to it being kind of loosely adapted from a comic from like the 80s and where the original comment they said it was about the 14-year-old kind of Oh Young Shim, which they highlight in the first opening of this drama. But then we're supposed to be watching the story of this kind of Young Shim character in her 30s as a young woman. And, and I just don't feel like it is coming off on the screen as it would have come off in a comic form. You know, it doesn't feel as um, kind of fun as I thought it was going to be. It just feels dated and kind of poorly written. And I don't think that was the point of it being adapted or loosely adapted from the comic. I think it was supposed to be elevated with her being in her thirties and, and things like that. And it doesn't feel that way at all. Um, It could also be performances and acting. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to be the one to call out anyone's acting, but I'm not completely sure about um, our two leads. <laughs> Mind you, they have people that I love in there. They have um, the actress um, Wang Ji in there. Love her. They have E Min Jae in there. Love and loving him recently. Um, I mean, they have people that I absolutely do enjoy uh, watching, but. Uh, our two leads. I'm not sure if there's any going to be any chemistry between the two. I don't even really care. Like, I don't even care about either one of the characters from the first two episodes. And that's a, such a, that's a surefire way to make sure I never watch your drama. And I don't know why. There's just something about both of the characters that I don't like in general. <laughs> um, like the young Shim character, she was so mean to when they were younger, how she treated the kind of the young Mark Wong character. She was so mean to him. He was absolutely enamored with her and she would just be so mean to him. She was so rude. And then like her as an adult, she's all over the place. And but yet at the same time, she has nothing to show for it. You know, like she's not it's not like she's all over the place. And that shows how, you know how motivated she is at her job or something like that. It's like, no, she just seems sloppy and all over the place. And then you have the Mark Wong character who comes in and you're supposed to kind of feel sorry for him because of his past with Young Shim. But yet he's a CEO and he's like acting like a little little baby. I don't know. It's just, they're both very unlikable characters and they're not funny and they're not like quirky and cute either. So 
no, I'm not recommending Oh Young Shim. I don't think I'm going to continue watching it. I watched the first two episodes and I just completely was bored out of my mind. Um, and I did not connect with either one of our lead characters. So I don't think this is going to be going to be one I continue watching. So I'm not sure about it, but I also think after just going over it with you guys, that I'm going to probably put it on the drop list. <laughs> I think I'm going to put it on the drop list. Uh, so sad. I have too many dramas on my drop list this year. Oh, okay. And then lastly, I also started, and I only got one episode down of this one, um, Race. I don't know if you guys know about Race, but it's on Disney Plus or Hulu, I think. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have Hulu. I just have Disney Plus. <laughs> uh, but Race um, has Pak Yoon Ju. I'm sorry. Race, um, quick synopsis here. Um, Pak Yoon Jo, played by Lee Young Hee, is an ordinary single of course, are they all? She gets a job in the PR department of a large company where her friend Ru Jae-min, played by Hyung Jong-hyun, works, and he keeps a clear line between his work and his personal life. His personality is the complete opposite of Park Yoon-jo. Park Yoon-jo begins to work with Go Gi-jung, played by Mu Sori, who is an expert in the PR field. Working with Ku Yi Jung, Pak Yoon Joo, sorry, Pak Yoon Jo grows as a person and PR employee. Meanwhile, So Dong Kun, played by Yoon Ho, um, you know, you know, is the CEO of the PR agency and he has a flexible mindset that values free expression. Now, race only one episode down, similar to how I felt about um, Oh Young Shim. I just wasn't connecting. I just wasn't connecting with anyone. None of our leads, none of our main characters, the setup, I just wasn't over the moon with, felt done multiple times before, and I didn't feel any motivation to watch episode two. So that is how I feel about race right now. Would I recommend it to anyone? Obviously not right now after watching the first episode, absolutely not. But again, call to you all listening. If you are watching Race and it has gotten good and you're in love with it at this point, let me know because, again, I always want to watch a good drama. Now, if it's not a good drama, let me know that too because I will purposely not continue it and I will move it to my drop list. But right now, it's not on my drop list. I might watch the second episode just to make sure I feel that way like I did with Oh Young Shim. And I might do the same with Family. So they're not technically on my drop list yet, but let me know because then I won't even have to watch second episodes if you guys tell me I shouldn't continue. Okay. <laughs> okay. So that's my call to all who are listening and who have watched Family or um, Race. Okay. So those are my three dramas that I started, but I'm not too sure about and I need your help with. Now, let me move on to this final little small category that I... I didn't really want to talk about, but I, I am going to talk about briefly. And then we're going to be done. We're wrapping up this long ramblings and musings episode, I promise. So drama is on my drop list, question mark. Um, that is the name of this category because I have them on the drop list, but I, I'm not sure if they should stay on the drop list as in, should I drop them? So first one is Jolson Attorney. I dropped it. I did officially drop it. However, I know that it's 
ending soon or it has ended at the time of me recording this. And I am wondering if anyone who has watched it from beginning to end can let me know if it gets good again or if it gets good at all. I mean, because where I left, I think it was episode six and I was just not feeling it. So if there's any point after episode six, you feel like it's worth me coming back for, let me know. But it is on the drop list. I have not been back to it. I have stopped watching it completely. Um, and I feel pretty confident about that decision. But again, I'm always open to jumping back in. If someone lets me know I'm missing out on something. So let me know about Joseph attorney. Now, something else that's question mark on my drop list is Bora Deborah. So there was an incident in one of the episodes of Bora uh, that was quite offensive and was in bad, poor taste, I would say. I wouldn't say it was, I mean, I can't say it was offensive as in I was not directly affected by it, but I will say that it was in poor taste. And it was it was very concerning that that was allowed to just be written in and then said and, and filmed and edited and then put on Amazon Prime and no one said anything about and if you're watching Bora and you've gotten to this point, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to go into details about the specifics, but I will say that it did give me a side eye. You know, I did cast a sad eye to Bora. Um, and that episode in general just wasn't my fave. I'm going to be honest. So it just kind of was just like, ooh, what's going on, Bora? Which is a drama that I have been really loving prior to that moment in that episode. So I am going back and forth. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to do with Bora. So let me know if you had some concerns and you had some some feelings about Bora after watching that specific moment or you heard about that specific moment and let me know what your thoughts are on it. Um, I mean, not saying that you, you know, I can be convinced or not convinced against concerning this, but I do know that, it, like I said, if it's something that's going to continue throughout the rest of the drama, then what's the point, right, of continuing the drama? There's going to be multiple moments of these that are just kind of in poor taste written in. Like, why would I keep supporting that and watching that? Um, but I don't know, because we've only been two episodes, I think, past that episode now. So I don't know if it's enough to make a judgment on if it's going to continue. And I was wondering if there's going to be any statements. I haven't heard anything. So you guys let me know your thoughts on Bora if you did watch that moment in that scene, um, in that episode. So yeah, that's Bora. It's on the fence for me right now. I'm not completely convinced I want to drop it. I'm not convinced, but I also am not trying to stick around to just have more moments where I just kind of like, ugh, I feel you know, yucky after watching. So let me know. Let me know. And then this one, I'm pretty sure you guys are all shocked about because I was not in my currently watching um, kind of category, even though technically I was currently watching it. Um, and that is The Good Bad Mother. <sighs> now, the episode that I released prior to this Rambles and Musings was a and kind of initial thoughts on the good bad mother. And in that episode, I ranted and I raved about how much I was enjoying and appreciating that drama, how I was loving it, how I said it was on the path to being one of my favorite dramas of the year this year, how I said that I couldn't 
possibly see anything that they could do at that you know, in this story where it would go bad and convince me that it wasn't good anymore. I said that. You can listen to it. I hope you did listen to that episode, my good, bad mother, initial thoughts. Let's see what's up episode. You will hear me say all of that. And yet I have it on my drop list right now. And the reason and the only reason I have it on my drop list is because of the development of the story where we are now at, where our good, bad mother has been diagnosed um, with an illness that has put um, a kind of clock on her life. And on top of all that she has already dealt with and is dealing with with her son and everything, this is something she has to deal with on top of it. I can't take it. <laughs> I can't take it. Like I, I know her character. I know she can't take it. I know they can't take it. But I also, I just can't take it. And again, as I've been saying throughout this entire episode, there are just some things on my list that are just kind of like, I don't watch I don't consume I don't I don't enjoy watching and if I am watching it it has to be someone must have really convinced me or it's doing something a little different that's kind of distracting me from it and it's always health related so medical dramas or you know dramas where people are sick or ill and that's like the plot and that's the premise of the setup of the story I just can't do it I can't do it as in like, you know, terminal and I, I, I can't do it. So with the good, bad mother, I am at the point where I am, I cannot watch it. I cannot stomach it at this point. Does that mean that I don't want to watch this drama? No, I absolutely want to watch this drama. Like it's breaking my heart, not watching this drama, but I think it would break my heart even more watching it. So that's kind of like the, the kind of, dilemma that I'm currently in. It's like my heart's going to be broken either way, but which one's going to hurt less? And I think right now me not watching it will actually hurt less than me watching this drama. Now, in saying that, I am going to, I think, hold out to see how this story ends and like actually, you know, just wait for the spoiler of like what the ending actually looks like. Because, because if I find out the way that it ends is in a way that I can stomach, then I will, I will go back and watch it. But, but they did the one thing I, I mean, if you listen to me in that episode, talk about the good, bad mother, I'm like, Oh, I don't see anything they could possibly do (laughs) to ruin this drama for me at this point. And they did the one thing the one thing is give somebody a terminal illness in it. And that's the one thing they did. And I just, it was immediately a no for me. Um, Even after so being so in love with the drama and I still feel like I'm, I'm probably going to end up watching it. I do, but I'm going to have to, I think wait to the end. And so that I can marathon, like I can go through every episode and get through all the sad parts quickly as fast as possible as opposed to kind of sitting in it and marinating it for week to week like I can't no I can't do it so I think I probably will end up watching this before the end of the year and it's probably going to be in my final you know kind of 
award ceremony about the dramas of this year. And I'm probably going to be like, it was the most beautiful thing after it breaks my heart. But right now I am not in any condition to be watching that. It's just, it's, it's, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. So everyone has their non-negotiables and this is really one of mine in dramas. It's just, it just really is. Um, and Dr. Cha is getting away getting away with it by the skin of his teeth right now. It really, really is. Oh man, it really is. But that's it, guys. That's the last category. The dramas on my drop list. Those are the last three dramas that I kind of wanted to mention. You, I've already kind of talked about each of those extensively, so I don't want to go into, I don't have anything else to say about them. Um, and I don't have any more dramas that I want to talk about in this episode. Do I have another episode coming up in the future? About Yes, I do. So don't, don't be alarmed how I was talking about in the beginning. And I was like, I don't know about releasing so many episodes at once. And da, da, da. don't worry. I'm going to keep releasing episodes and I'm trying my best to be as weekly as possible. But it doesn't always happen, especially when I know I want to do a Ramblings Musings episode. Uh, because a lot of times I want to gather and catch up with a lot of dramas before I do the episode. And that usually takes like a break from me putting out episodes because I'm just kind of watching everything at once. And I'm not talking about any individual one. So I did have a break before releasing this one, but I think I'm going to be back on consistency coming up um, in the next couple of weeks. So just bear with me. But I that's it. That's it, guys. I hope this wasn't, I mean, this was long, but I hope you were able to kind of get through it how best you self-fit as in if you had to skip around or if you were able to listen all the way through. So I, I'm grateful if you made it to the end in any way, be it a skipping around or be it all the way from beginning to end. I'm so, so, so grateful that you made it to the end with me, but I know it's a long one. So it's a long task. It's a long feat. But that's all that I have for this episode. And I want to thank you so, so, so much for listening. And whether you're listening in the morning or in the afternoon or in the evening, I hope you have a great day. So everyone, it's been real. Lola's off.